You're listening to WPAI, a podcast about the advancements of AI within WordPress. My name is Moritz Bappert, and I've been building custom WordPress websites for the past 10 years. I'm passionate about product development and excited about the inspiring people I will be interviewing. Join me on my quest to gain a holistic understanding of all the AI developments within the WordPress space. Today, I got Tammy Lister with me. With her unique background, she offers a one-of-a-kind perspective into the captivating intersection of design, art, and development. Right now, Tammy is using her talents as a developer over at Insight, one of Europe's leading WordPress agencies. But she also spent a big chunk of her career at Automatic, even helping to design the early stages of the Gutenberg editor for WordPress. In this chat, we're going to dive into some really exciting stuff how generative AI is changing art and design, what skills are essential in today's rapidly changing world of technology, and why sharing our knowledge is so important. And let me tell you, her thoughts on how AI could become an integral part of our lives, truly caring for us, are simply fascinating. Remember, none of us can predict the future, but we can all play a part in shaping it. So let's dive in and see what Tammy has to share with us today. Trust me, you won't want to miss it. Hey, Tammy, welcome to the WPAI podcast. Tell us your story. Yeah, I mean, I've been around kind of, I started actually in R and then I went to development and then I kind of went to design. So I've kind of crossed over a lot of things. I think if you've been in the web, you've done a lot of different things over time. I will start in a concise one, but I think my story mirrors a lot of people who've been particularly in open source, which is a longer story or a longer tale, which is I've been around for a few technologies and a few different experiences. And as a result, I have had different evolutions of my career. My current one is back in development, but I have gone through from pure design through to hybrid versions. I don't believe that either role is purist anymore. I think they were all kind of a mixture of each other, but I guess that's kind of a concise one. But my story is one of following product technologies. So the interesting thing is I, before like AI, I've been kind of obsessed with like mm -hmm. robots cool. and AI and psychology for a long time. So to now have it like be mm -hmm. a thing in technology <laughs> is like all my happies because it means I can bring all yeah. my random art knowledge in with all my random robot knowledge <laughs> in with all my random... <laughs> I guess that's where I've come to lately. I'm always really excited about not just the latest technology, but how can we then take that technology and use it? Generally, I have looked at how can it be experimented with That's always been exciting, but then how can we start to implement and use it? Mm -hmm. So one thing I wanted to mention is you worked for quite a while on the initial design of the block editor in WordPress. I did, yeah. If you think about that nowadays, were you able to finish your work there? It feels a long time ago now. <laughs> It's a long time, yeah. I don't think, yeah, no, and I think that that's right. I think, well, I finished phase one, so... Um, but I think that that's the thing, like a phase is a phase. It's a weird statement to say, but it should be. I think often when we create something, we think it it's done, it's packaged. One of the blessings I've had in my career is thinking of things as releases, even if they're design. 
And as a result of that, I don't feel anything is ever perfect and done. So mm. I love seeing the evolution of things. I see the perfection of things. It has never helped me looking at mm. art and other things in that frame of mind. That's, <laughs> that's my own personal problems. But I definitely think that we we achieved the first step. And I think that that's like the thing needed to be done. We did that. Then everyone else has taken it from there, which that's been the incredible thing to be part of. And that's what really excites me now is being able to join with everyone and see the directions that it's been taken with everything. <laughs> so, yes, no. Do you think the rise of AI mm -hmm. will change mm -hmm. how the interface or the editing experience is going to be like in WordPress? I hope we stop talking about interfaces and I'm maybe going to qualify that. I think it's a weird thing for someone that has spent a lot of her career either designing or coding interfaces to say. <laughs> But I think a lot of the time we are so fixated on one interface or so fixated on one approach. Now that doesn't help us um, and it never has from an accessibility point of view or from um, just from a usability point of view. It doesn't help, right? Because then we're like, we have to make some really radical decisions or we have to have ridiculous options. And we can get into this kind of like true AI or uh, what is just like an action or what is actually AI, right? Um, <laughs> which is a fascinating discussion. <laughs> Maybe over to you to have. Um, that stops us talking about one interface, stops us kind of getting fixated on one approach to things, starts us thinking about adaptive design. It's more personal, it's more curated, it's more individual, it's more delivered, it's more unique to you, it's more unique to your experience. Uh, not unique to you as in like a selfish way, but unique to your experience that you need, when you need it, where you need it, what you need, how you need, what you're experiencing it on, all these kind of like variations because it's not like a... You know, back in the old days, it was a group mm. of if statements and it was super bright. That is what it was, right? It's not that now because it's literally like a learn. So that really excites me because it means when we create something, we have to create it a lot more components, which is something really interests me. It means probably we have to do a lot of what people who believe in true design systems or those kind of things believe in. We actually have to get that going. Um, we have to look to all of that kind of generative systems approaches. So yeah, there's a lot in there, but I think it means less interface, but more of them, if that kind of makes sense. <laughs> The way that I think about it is also people are not going to look for making interfaces only user-friendly, but also like machine or AI-friendly, so to say, because yeah. People won't be yeah. the only ones using a system like a content management system as WordPress. It needs to be very open toward AI with its own APIs, but also maybe some microdata. Yeah, it's more about the kit approach. When kind of Gutenberg came back, mm -hmm. there was all these kind of references to blocks and Lego, and it was cute to me use those terms. Kind of, mm -hmm. that's where we're going, right? Like, you have a collection of amazing things, both at the code level, at the system whatever level you want you have these amazing things and whatever system you're using you that system either dynamically picks it or the person picks it and 
then you can build from it the exact experience that's needed at that time. Now, whether AI does that or whether a workflow does that or whether what we're calling wrongly AI, whatever we're doing does that Mm. or a human does that, it's that, right? It's a filtering of the system at that point, which I think is not that far away. I think we probably should have been doing it a little while ago (laughs) because really like we, you know, sustainability of the components we have is just as sensible. Like I've been a designer that's had to make the same button or the same thing so many times Mm. and it slowly drives you potty. (laughs) There's an English statement, but it slowly drives you just like, oh, like, um, and as a developer, like doing the same thing over and over again is the way to not sanity. And it's the way that we can then build some incredible things and have time to build some incredible things. It doesn't Mm. limit our creativity. We, I think for a while, thought a lot of, you know, there was this design systems Mm. are going to ruin creativity or (laughs) they're just for design. But these systems actually lead us to more creativity. That's an interesting point I'd like to touch upon later. Um, I I just got to to add some more things Mm. to to this topic. I think in the end, the, the components or the software, whatever we're talking about, just needs to be very open towards a huge variety of different interfaces or yeah, people interacting, machines interacting with it. It needs to be well-defined, well-documented, easy to use and to interfere with. Because in the end, yeah, it shouldn't matter if people use it on their computer, if they use it through some, maybe some voice interface even, or if an AI is using it, some scripts are using it. So either through code or through other interfaces, components or software should be standardized or well-built in a way that, yeah, it's it's usable <laughs> with all different kinds of approaches. I think you just said two really good points. One, things are moving incredibly and beautifully fast. So to, for, it would be incredibly presumptuous and very egotistical of us to assume the languages about today are going to be the languages that you use later. Whilst Python is beautiful and pure, and whilst X is beautiful and pure, or whatever, like everyone has their pet like thing that is being written in, right? Things are moving way too fast to place some bets on what is going to be around, you know. Um, so we have to create agnostically, and we 100% have to also do a second point documentation i think documentation is so much more important than it has ever been like there's this old thing of like document your code document everything not just your code document your components design decisions your product decisions document every single thing that you are doing um document your product flows everything because if you want to then rebuild it in a different language you can easily if you have a documentation for it or if you have a open, you know, you might be thinking, oh, well, we don't need an extension because we're writing it or a hook or whatever, because we're writing it a particular way. Maybe add one just in case, because then someone could. And, you know, those kind of partnerships and those openness of, it's kind of like that tinkering is we've moved back into the space kind of, there's like, um, in design it's that double diamond stuff right but there's that kind of um openness which i'm really excited as as kind of a someone who's been around the web a little bit long i'm super excited about like the tinkerness at the moment and the openness of someone could just create something but you need that openness of products to be able to do that which is why an open source is super interesting 
but we need people to be creating things that you can do that with. So those two points that you kind of raise, I think are really, really important when you're creating something. I'm really excited about having people tinker with all the new technology as well and, and just seeing what comes out of it. <laughs> how you yeah. learn? <laughs> you learn by poking something and going, how does this work? Mm. Oh, not like that. Oh, like that. That's exactly how you learn. And a lot of this technology is not yet documented. So you learn by tinkering and then reporting it back to people. That's how like a lot of the original web was learned, built, and that's how a lot of like the next whatevers we're calling it. I don't like web whatever numbers we do. Can we just stop numbering the web? It just needs to not happen. Whatever we're doing now is the same. That knowledge is going to be passed on by documentation, by people passing on through posts, and that's really, really exciting to see people doing it. You've touched upon a few points that you are really excited about. Do you see any downsides? I think if we forget our history or the history that's come before us, um, one of the arrogance of those of us that work in technology, and I'm going to include myself, is that we are doing something that has never been done before. Art has been doing generative things for quite a while. <laughs> Now, established practice. <laughs> generative computing isn't new. Um, a lot of the language that we are using particularly like those who are in the web and discovering a lot of AI and think is new and fancy, isn't new and fancy language. We just are using it for the first time and it's adorable. It's like when we use this language, but we need to maybe look at some of the history of some of these awesome people that have created. No, we're not going to build art installations. No, but we can learn from, you know, there's people that have built pre-thinking art ecosystems that create themselves and multiply or people that you know algorithmic art has been around many decades right and beyond that science <laughs> you know so learning from those disciplines i think is really really important for us remembering that there's an aspect to all of this of ethics that i don't think hit before um been quite adorable if we think we've managed to avoid it so far with GDPR and all those things. You know, there's been some kind of shielding that some people have been able to avoid, but you have to be aware of what you're creating if you are creating something that will make decisions that impacts a deliverable of choice. So just kind of thinking about that. But my biggest one is not thinking that we're the first to the party um, and having some kind of respect for that. I'm lucky that I have that art background and I, I remember kind of seeing that. And a lot of when I hear someone saying, I'm like, hey, the artist, <laughs> this day before. But just because there's some great stuff to learn. Um, and particularly when we're talking about like generative styling and, and all of those kind of things, they really can teach us something about that. Particularly editorial styling, very kind of apt for WordPress, very apt for that kind of delivery aspect. And a lot of that kind of era going to be the ones that struggle because uh, they're kind of being cherry-picked. Uh, you know, there's copyright issues. There's all those kind of negative things, but there's something to learn from there as well. Um, you know, what is art? Well, there's an area of art that has been defined as not art for a while as well because it's generative. So it's kind of, it's always fascinating to me. Generative art has always been one of my, like, fascinating art forms. So I'm super curious for people to discover it as well. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. I went completely off on a tangent, sorry. <laughs> well, have you seen any tools in the design space that you found really interesting and want to tell us about? I think at the moment, the gaps between the handover between design and development 
and people trying to solve that are interesting to me. And they're interesting because I'm not sure they're being solved the right way, but I'm curious like how that can be solved. What Figma's doing, I find super fascinating, but I also kind of wonder where does the design system sit? I think that kind of a single design system where it's really interesting, like Figma has like with variables and all these kind of tokenization and that's kind of super interesting to me. So you have that kind of like design system and those kind of things. And then on the other end, you also have going onto Adobe stock. And this is like back in the day, you'd be a print shop, right? And you do posters. Now, the version of that now for graphic design is you would use something like Adobe stock, which would link to some AI of some form, and you would be able to create anything and you'd be able to generate anything and you'd be able to print anything. Right. Um, you may have a shop that could do anything. That is interesting as well, but it's also interesting from a scalability and price as well. So I think trying to find where does the new productization of graphic design come from? Where does the new ownership of design come from? Do those things interest me? Yes, but I think ownership of design is a curious thing. So there's kind of a couple of tools that I find fascinating, which is the how do we do handovers and how do we stop using that term? Because I think AI can help a lot with that because I think it just stops the intermediate conversations. But I think that's at the workflow level. And I think there's a difference between when we're talking with AI about, um, and I'm going to kind of describe that workflow, which is more like Git workflows or something that just takes something, does something and is an automation. I call mm. it a workflow, right? AI is something that actually has some intelligence to it in my book. I don't know whether that's your definition, but that's what I'm coming to at the moment. We're trying to think of something. As far as design goes, that's got to be a little bit careful as a consideration. I think we're a little bit further off that from there's a lot of concepts with how can that deliver the right uh, editorial experience. Um, back in the day with Gutenberg, it was Snowfall, right? That was the example that we looked at. It was how can we just have a content interesting page? Well, now the, the thing that we're looking to is how can you deliver the right one for your time, date, period with the right things that you're experiencing at the same time and not smell because we're not quite there, but you know, you look at what Apple's doing, right? How can you then even extrapolate the right delivery experience for the right time and the definition that you're in and how can you have the right images how can it be completely tailored to your experience at any position that you're in I'm still not completely sure that that is AI I think a lot of that is still workflows so I'm very like mm -hmm. and I don't know if you agree with me I think where AI and workflows go when it comes to the design level I think the generative styling for me the pure AI stuff, I'm skeptical about where that comes in. I think it comes in with more the creating of the products that would be used for that. So I'm curious on your input there, because I, I think we're still almost talking about workflows back there. And my next question would have been, do you think AI will take the, the job of a web designer at some point? This is always like, I think in my time it's been, yeah, Dreamweaver was going to take the job of web designers. And then Photoshop was going to take the job of uh, people. And then something is always going to take the job of something because it, there is always like a, like a gap, right? So a certain portion of unskilled people are going to maybe not have that skills in those areas. That is a reality uh, with some of these tools. Are they able to 
move into other skills. My hope, I want to move in that we have um, prompts, careers, um, and that is an area that people can go in. I truly hope that that could be something. Um, maybe that people can specialize in subjects and that could be something that could kind of spin out. Mm. You know, you could have like design prompt engineers or something like that. I don't know. If you look at editing, prompt engineering, a very specifically in a particular subject, that actually mm. a little bit further, you know, that's not too far off being a very specialist thing because you very particular subject. So, yes, I think if you are completely skilled in your subject, no. You're going to lose your job suddenly. Like, is it going to write all your code? No. Do you move more into reviewer stroke editor? Yes. Mm. I think that's probably what happens. But then again, you have the problem of copyright when you talk about design creation. And this mm. is like a fascinating problem in my brain as someone that studied art, but also loves generative art. I mm. don't personally mind copies of art. If you think back to when you were a student, you had a copy of a famous painting or some uh, poster on your wall, like most people do, right? Um, most people have books that they've bought. But you know the source. You know where it comes from. And I think that a lot of this is knowing the source and knowing that those sources have some payment. And I think that that really is what a lot of actual artists, musicians, any art form are asking for their art to be the original sources recognised. So I don't think you lose that. I think there is still something about painting as one of my art forms. I still think that there's something about the hand and that I find I can do things with paint that I can't do digitally. And I absolutely adore generative art, but I certainly would still probably till my end days be painting. Yeah, it's a really complex kind of question, but I do think we need to recognize just like, for me, it's like photography. When digital photography came around, I had a real hard time thinking about it as a true form of photography. And I was like, no, no, it's not photography because it's digital. It's a dispense. It's, no, no, you haven't like slaved over chemicals. Turns out it is real photography <laughs> and we just accept it. I think it's like that, right? It, it, for me anyway. And that was quite, I'm really dating myself, but that was quite a pivotal moment, right? And you see a lot of famous photographers who live through that and they'll be asked questions like, well, everyone's got a camera now. And they'll be like, so that's amazing. It's not a threat to them that everyone, because they mm. still have the art and they still have the ability to take it. So I mm. kind of think so. But I think people do have to add aspects to think about politicizing and think about taking advantage of it. That doesn't mean you have to learn all the new shinies because your brain will just explode. You know, we've learned from history learn from photography mm. you know if you were still clutching we've gone back to film though people love film now right mm. <laughs> and lps vinyl well there's so many things to consider when thinking about ai i mean copyright is a whole topic of its own it, it would be really interesting if those ai tools say to you hey look here's what i created here's a fancy image i've taken these and these sources and this is how i came up with that Right now, you don't really get to grasp what does it originate from and, and what are the sources, but maybe we'll get there at some point. Right now, it reminds me a little bit of like the 90s indie scene where like everyone was just mixing up art and like everyone was freely not like recognizing where it came from, which was adorable, but also it overlooked some real inclusion of people's art forms and really didn't like pay people the right money mm. and wasn't that awesome of us. So... What I hope we do is we learn from things like that. 
and we maybe don't repeat that and we kind of you know there, there were always like zines coming out then and that was amazing um with all the mixed kind of art but recognizing that these are just as valid art forms ai has come up with some beautiful art that will move you that will change you and that is to me i'll be honest art <laughs> it's just because a computer comes out of it doesn't make it any less art it's still art at some point there was a program that was input there was something a prompt something that was input to create that still it was a source the domino was tipped so anyone who's like it doesn't come from something it still does just in general i don't see ai as a threat really i mean it's clear that people need to adapt with their yeah. jobs with their skills and and need to figure out yeah. how to work with ai tools a lot of the tools now i think can easily distract and i think that's why it was quite hard for me to pick some i would be very cautious to add part of particularly as a designer one of our, our workflows are just packed at the moment And to add tools to workflow is just, it's a lot. They form searching is one of the best things they can do at the moment. Some image manipulation, but that's still just workflows. That's not anything super amazing. Still impressive. Like if you spoke to a year ago, <laughs> I'd be like, ooh. <laughs> but now, like a lot of the stuff, it's not compared to what we can do. But I would say that that will change. But from a design perspective, It's mainly about trying to figure out how do you create the interface that goes in mm -hmm. front of a lot of these things that one doesn't even overly cartoonify. One of the mistakes we've made with a lot of AI is make it cute, make it happy, make it friendly, which mm, <laughs> not sure that's <laughs> that's good or bad, but it's maybe it's a human tendency to uh, neutralize everything by making a Pokemon which also is not the best approach. And then to try and just find out how this can work. What are the recognized patterns? What are the way that a search should appear? What are the return? How do you show when a search result is from AI or when it's not from AI? Because turns out humans Ooh. actually like to know that now. You know, all these kind of things and learning from feedback because these implementations at the product level are happening so fast for anyone who is working in design or development. They are either developers are having to implement without a performance problem and designers are having to implement without an interface hmm. performance problem. So everyone's trying to chase so much, they don't generally have time to then try it. It's more the graphic design, I would say, are really starting to explore some of those tools or who are going to be trying to enhance their workflows quicker. That was a kind of wide perspective. <laughs> yeah. hmm. So what would be the areas or the workflows that you would be most interested in seeing improved by AI? I would really like to see where we go past the kind of snowfall. I also want to see experimentation. I don't know what I don't know at this point with AI and that's kind of interesting. So I can be kind of basic and think if I put an image, the content would adapt to the image. Great. There's some really dumb AI stuff that you can kind of predict. And that's kind of what is on everyone's bingo card. If we're talking about that kind of AI bingo card, it'd be like translation, editorial, all these kind of things. What I'm kind of interested in is time delivery. So AI knowing that I need to know certain things at certain times, that's kind of interesting to me. 
knowing my life enough to not be creepy and know uh, those kind of things. Like, how does it move from being a separate where I interact with it to it being an integral part of my life? I, I don't know if I'm kind of explaining that because at the moment it's like a mm. push prompt. So I, I interact and then it kind of like I always do something to get something right. And what I'm kind of curious about is the next step where things get more integrated in my daily. So it will be just part of my flow. And that's kind of what I will see in my elderly years, right? Like it will tell me when I need my medicines more naturally or, or whatever, right? It will become old fashioned to click an app to then tell something something, right? That's kind of what I'm really curious about to yeah. move away from the prompt to move into it being integral I don't know if I kind of explained that it, it's just because at the moment I feel it's very like click and do and that's really like step one that's not the AI that we all have been thinking about that's workflows yeah totally I mean AI should anticipate <laughs> what you want and suggest things yes but how we get there without like you know people talk about like the uncanny valley or people talk about like uh, our brains are fragile like human brains like our amygdala will be this like panicked very easily if that feels too <laughs> like right um all of it you know how far have we come accepting technology to be able to mm. be okay with that is technology enough in our homes have we come generations these are all fascinating things to me like is it at the right time for most of society is most of society on the fast enough internet i think the answers are yes but i think again i don't think we get there by making cartoons i think one of the approaches which i love the way that google for example are doing it by making beautiful hmm. home devices i don't actually like the look of the apple glasses device but i think it's one of the ways we do it is by making these beautiful devices that people want in their homes some people will love that look and that's great back in the day remember the mirrors or you know like you have the fridges now i think that's how we do it and that's how ai becomes integral it's not even through the web it's ai becoming part of hmm. our home part of our integral devices that we have Because the web, you still need to click something on. And not yeah. everybody has a computer still. A lot more people have phones or a lot more people use their televisions or a lot more people, like their homes are becoming smart. So that kind of the home AI is really exciting to me as well. So, yeah. If we use those technologies to really assist us in our daily lives to take away tedious tasks that we don't even want to bother doing, Then I think it gets interesting because uh, AI yeah. could give us more room for creativity, for example, as you mentioned before. Yeah. And I think that that's the thing as well. Some of my favorite technology experiments, there was a, I can't remember the name of it, but there was a seal made that was to look after to people who were elderly responded to. And it's, they stroked it and it responded. We kind of often, when we talk about AI, you know, robots is the next breath, right? And We kind of haven't done that yet. We've kind of just like skipped straight to AI, right? But we haven't really spoken about like, okay, where's the robots in this? Like we're talking about AI as though they're like these disembodied. But at some point, the physicality of AI has to come into our space. So AI needs an interface of something. 
And then we're kind of talking about maybe it's got a mirror or it's got something. But at some point, it still needs some physical interface. And actually, a lot of toys are getting some pretty smart interfaces, right? We're going a little bit beyond <laughs> Tamagotchis, right? And that is where I think we're going to start to see, you know, things that care, things that help. That really fascinates me. How can we have technology that cares? How can we create sites that recognize the, I mean, this is super pun. How can we create sites that recognize, ah, reading glasses, okay, I'm now going to increase the font size. And now I'm going to, oh, okay, you have dyslexia. Okay, I'm going to change your font now and do this and whatever, right? Like it, that know me, that know that my time location, and not just like mm. the dumb stuff, that actually know that I don't like this or I like this. And, and those personal experience, everything just is easier for me. If you have a neurodiversity, everything is just easier for you to experience when you are shopping. It knows that you have spent too much of your normal budget. So when you go to buy something, it warns you of that in a nice way. Not in a like, but all these kind of things, right? I don't know. We're extrapolating where it can be, but really like mm -hmm. looking at some of these interfaces, I think is kind of interesting is and not just thinking about like the website, but thinking about where are some of these physical interfaces and how does the physical happen? Not in kind of like Robbie <laughs> the Robot wandering around the space, but... <laughs> <laughs> how do we actually have the kind of interfaces that help and interact, not in a sci-fi kind of way? Yeah, it's really exciting to think about these things. <laughs> exactly. Going wide we, here as well. Some beautiful generative art to like, how do we have like robot <laughs> seals that take care of the elderly? <laughs> yeah, we've gone far beyond only the internet. But I mean, coming back to websites, in particular, mm. maybe WordPress websites, are there any mm -hmm. things you are excited about or yeah. that you are seeing uh, that might be helpful? I think the biggest one is what are the daily tasks that we do that we can just make easier using workflows. And let's start doing that. I always kind of say AI at the moment is... I use a workflow. It's basically like if you think of the Jetsons and you think of the robots that did the housekeeping right that's where we are now it's the little <laughs> robot doing the housekeeping it's the nanobots right it's that and honestly like is there something that can be done and automated that you can do now great do that and that's the level that i would say like great i would say let's not make it cute but that's just my own personal thing i think we've got a look at how we present this and from a human perspective and not just think about like from a technology perspective think about like how do we present this to all mm. ages and all people and all homes <laughs> you know you've got to think about how how do these things appeal to all, all ages and that's not a cartoon so if you're creating a product think about like your logo and and think about how like you present it but just think about like where are the time savers because if people are time saving at the moment with something then they have time to either learn new stuff because goodness me, we all need that at the moment. And it's not time that we're going to be like putting our feet up at the moment because everything's moving so fast. That's part of the truth. Sharing what you learn and then experimenting, that's the open source way. I see a little bit of that, but I'm really excited in seeing kind of more people doing that, more people asking Core to open things up, saying like, hey, I wanted to do this, but I couldn't do this. 
then as a core contributor, I want to know when someone can't do something. Because if someone can't do something, that means either you shouldn't be able to do it because it's insecure or you're trying to do something you shouldn't be able to do. Or most of the time, there needs to at some point be like some extension or something changed because it hasn't been thought about. Because maybe five years ago, you know, phase one of Gutenberg, and we did not know about ChatGPT. Like, I did not have, you know, I wish I could have made some money, <laughs> you know. Um, but no one could have seen the, the future. No one could have ever see any futures that are going to happen. And that's the beautiful thing. If someone claims they're futurists and they know everything, they don't. Uh, some of the science fiction books absolutely do. But the reason they do is a lot of people who create the future are reading <laughs> the science books. <laughs> um, so that's the reason. So a lot of it, people don't know anything that's going to happen. People are generally just... Maybe they're six months ahead. Maybe they're a year ahead if they're super fascinating and they're in like an incubator or whatever. But people don't know far ahead. So where can you save time? Where can you collaborate? So you don't have to know everything Mm -hmm. is a big thing. Where can you know more? Where interests you? You don't have to know every language. Goodness me, because you can think, okay, I now need to know PHP, JavaScript, Python, (laughs) and... uh, and No, you don't. (laughs) And then I need to know how to make physical robots and then fridges <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then seals. But you don't. You just need to start to have those ideas and start to be able to explore with what you know. Yeah, and just get started building things. Not only consuming all of the AI tools or using them just as they're supposed to, but rather coming up with your own ideas. Yeah. And really... Learning and using some of the simpler tools. So one of the tools that I absolutely adore mm. is Grammarly's AI. So using competitor editors, implementation of AI, we have to look that we can be in our little bubble and think, oh, yes, it's great. It's, no, we have to look at what everyone else and how everyone else is using AI. Generally, it's research, <laughs> but how are different people using templating? How are they using prompts? And part of it also is learning how to write prompts, whether we like it or not, just as we've all learned how to do Google searching and Google searching is mm. part of our daily life, right? Or whatever search engine you use, or Brave, da, 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 whatever, that go, whatever you want to use, that is part of your life. You now have to know how to write a prompt eventually, <laughs> um, and that's going to be probably part of your career path mm. if you work in design development or anything within technology. And I don't mean as in if you don't know it, you're whatever, but you're probably going to have an advantage if you know it. And the more crafted you are at doing it, and that doesn't mean you need to like go to university to study prompting, you just do it (laughs) and just learn to do it. And there are tools like Grammarly's Go. It's really good. Like write a prompt in there and then get it to write this concisely or something. And if you click that, it'll actually write a really good prompt for you. (laughs) That's a tip. And then you can put that in and it's like really good. And then learning to like edit from those is a really good way to like start doing some templating. Just starting to learn how these things are thinking helps you with learning then to how you're going to make products as well. That was a nice summary. (laughs) So... We both went to WordCamp Europe in Athens a few weeks ago. What were your most tangible learnings there? Mm. Anything related to AI? 
I think we're focusing way too much on work. So I need a t-shirt. Um, I think, yeah, we're not even at step one with what we're doing in WordPress and AI. And we often, we're not using the right word. That's totally fine. Again, we're not looking at what history has happened before and that's totally fine. We've just got to do it. Get those books out of the libraries. The libraries still exist. But also, I think we're not too far behind. It's not all lost. One of the exciting things that I found was the amount of little products so that's a really good thing. So that tells me that there's a healthy ecosystem of products, which means once we collectively as a community are like, oh, yes, okay, now we're implementing this beyond a search and beyond just workflows. And I don't mean just workflows, because workflows are amazing because they give us time to build the fun stuff <laughs> and the amazing, like, mind-blowing things. That's probably there are people who are building that currently in the community. I'm not dismissing anything. Just what we are seeing today is not that. What we are seeing today is step one. <laughs> what we probably, by time Santa arrives, <laughs> or whatever you believe in, is not going to be step one mm. because we're moving so fast. <laughs> we're like, blink. And that's also like part of it, right? Someone probably tomorrow will release something mm. that will completely mean what I've just said is completely invalid. And that's amazing. I love being invalid by this technology. There's a healthy product and starting to be a healthy investment culture. We need that. Because we are going to need to rapidly invest, pivot, grow these technologies. We're going to need to explore, experiment. We're going to need people to move around in those technologies, just grow. We're going to need agencies to grab these things, just grow, experiment. We had this with several agencies with the enterprise kind of meetup, just starting to talk about how do we collaborate together. We're going to need that because how does editorial content deal in a world of AI, <laughs> that's a whole, like from a copyright to generative content, it's a whole, like, how do you advise your clients on that? And how do you deal with that? It's a whole, everybody's got the same problems mixed in with open source. <laughs> so all of these problems, everybody is going to have from a product and everything perspective. So I think it felt like a start. I would love us to look outside and ask people outside to come in and advise mm. us on AI. I think we've looked inside and that's amazing. We're all incredible. But I think we only learn about these technologies by looking outside because pace and we had to do that when we've adopted different technologies. And this is a whole different paradigm. It's not just a different technology. It's a different paradigm, a different way of building, a different way of thinking, different ethics system. And for us to kind of think that we have that inside, it's adorable, but I, I don't think we do. I think we can, and I think we, need to, think we need to learn, and then we need to learn how this fits into our open source methodology and paint it in our own beautiful palette. So, yeah. Mm. So if you could ask Matt Malwick a question regarding AI, what would it be? Mm. Can I have two? Sure. <laughs> I, I want to kind of mirror what you asked, which is what is the thing that excites the most and what is the thing that daunts the most and I don't want to say fear I say daunt because I love that word because I feel that daunting means potential and I'd say the thing because it doesn't necessarily mean a product it could be like a paradigm or a particular technology or yeah so I'd be that broad because That's kind of my question to everyone at the moment, or what is the thing that 
you would recommend mm. me to read is also my question to everyone at the moment because I'm just curious of like how do we all collectively find out where everyone is in their headspace um like little <laughs> temperature in of people's fears and hopes mm. and then we can move on right <laughs> safe space fears and hopes <laughs> okay <laughs> um and that's kind of it because he's creating in this space just like mm. everyone else is created in this space so that would be the same question i would ask anyone in this space so i'm gonna ask you it so what what daunts you and what excites you that's a good question at the moment i just talk to many people and have so many interesting conversations about uh, ai topics um especially in the WordPress world or the world of creating websites. I really agree with you that we're still in like this first step where things don't get like really exciting. I mean, it's really cool if you see them for the first time, but they aren't deeply integrated into the systems. So that's where we uh, need to work on. Well, yeah, what dawns me would be maybe from my eyes as a developer to really see how I can leverage those technologies and how I get deeply into that and, and make use of it really. It's something I'm not familiar with yet. I've done WordPress development, like doing custom plugins yeah. and, and all these kinds of things for corporate websites, but <laughs> I haven't really done any I don't know, even an, an API connection to OpenAI or some other AI tool. I think for now, the first thing would be to really find interesting product ideas or those bottlenecks where I could come in and really improve things. I haven't really come up with like mm. many ideas for that yet. I still need to get into that deeper. That's a common answer back that I've had from a few people when I said daunting um, and had those conversations. I almost wonder if like the old days mm -hmm. of like hackathons something that we kind of need to see more in this community like could we have like a hackathon around amazing. ai stuff yeah and what could happen if like there was a contribution event where everyone i i see contribution as yes you can contribute to core absolutely but you can also contribute to moving the technology ahead by getting together and building things i don't know is this kind of like you saying this as well it makes me kind of wonder about you know the yeah. the old kind of things moving together people having ideas they've been like the do action things but people getting together and that's a very specific thing but people getting together and having hackathons for what could people it's that collaboration we've never got there as a community by doing things individually no we have got there by you've got an idea I've got the ability to code. I've got the ability to design. Oh, I can write copy. Right? And oh, I can provide some hosting. That's how we've always got there. And then boof, mm. we've got a company. And then we go to a WordCamp. That's how WordPress has grown. That's how open source has grown time and time again. Any big company, any little company, that's what's happened. So that's how AI companies are going to grow. That's how all the ideas, not by people sitting in their room being <laughs> daunted and yeah, by things so i don't know maybe that's a free idea if someone wants to just have like a hackathon i would love to either virtually or physically attend because i think we need to have more what just play playing by experimentation is how we get there we find out the problems we find out the ethical considerations safely Like, if we have some people with some sensible ethics in the room who aren't giddy and excited, I get way too excited about this technology and seals and stuff. And I need someone to put my feet on the ground sometimes and go, uh, stop it. 
<laughs> well, but uh, that's what I enjoy uh, a lot, like hanging out with people, getting so excited about these things and uh, like collectively... Getting inside is amazing, but I do like people putting me on the ground sometimes. When I make something and I'm like, what if? And, and they're like, mm. yeah, that's, that's how we take over the sure. world in the bad way. And I'm like, okay, yeah, no, that's not, that's not a good thing. But, but that's, mm. that's what a community does, right? Like a community will give you all the perspective and will help you see where mm. the good and the bad is of your idea. Where, well, where the plus and the minus, because nothing's bad. You never create something thinking it's going to like stomp on the metropolis, <laughs> right? Unless you're an evil genius. Um, <laughs> but you don't create with bad in your heart, but you might not see what could do that. And that's why we need to kind of have those perspectives. Yeah. That, that, yeah. And, and that's uh, why it's even more important, I think, to look for good concepts in the first place, like really collectively think about good concepts. Yeah. And I mean, figuring out the technology can come later. Yeah. Where are the areas that need this? Where are the areas that need this in our project? Where are the areas that need this in workflows? I'm really excited for these conversations at the community summit, but I'm also really excited for these conversations at the product yeah. level. There's two levels of this, right? The project but also the product. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited about that as well. <laughs> um, and the project is going to have one very different conversation level to the mm. product level. Um, and I love dipping in now, both of them. So thanks, Tammy. It's been a really inspiring conversation. I've got so many ideas that I hadn't thought of and really curious to see where this will go. And yeah, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. It was a lovely chat. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening until the end. Here are the most compelling takeaways from my conversation with Tammy Lister. Embracing design systems can improve our creativity, allowing us to focus on more innovative tasks instead of getting stuck on the fundamentals. AI, when properly integrated, can greatly streamline communication and handovers, minimizing the room for misinterpretation. Just as we once learned to use Google, we now need to master the art of writing prompts for AI. The future is in transitioning from AI as a prompt to it being an integral part of our lives and homes. And let's not forget the potential physicality of AI. Robots have a role here. Technological advancement is not an individual effort, it's a collective one. Together, as a community, we can be the drivers of this new paradigm. Remember, these insights are just the tip of the iceberg. My conversation with Tammy is full of more revelations and thought-provoking concepts. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and share this episode with your friends. I'm always happy about your feedback and questions. Simply send me a message on LinkedIn. And please don't hesitate to tell me which topics or guests you'd like to hear in future episodes. Next week, my guest will be David Lockie, Web3 Lead at Automatic. We talk about what Web3 actually means, what interesting use cases are out there today and where things are headed in the light of AI. Don't forget to subscribe to get notified about the upcoming episodes. Until next time, your host, Moritz Bappert.